Markets are very split this morning. U.S. equities are climbing higher, whilst bond markets and commodities are much more cautious, with the Aussie dollar bearing the brunt of that. Why? Well, I guess it's how you want to decipher what Jerome Powell said in his Senate hearing. He said a lot, so everyone can claim something from it. We'll look at that today. Plus, UK and Canadian inflation, and we'll look ahead to all the PMIs coming out today as well. It's Thursday, the 23rd of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar fell again overnight, down 0.2% to 104.2. It was down a bit more than that earlier, so it's still very high, of course, at 104.2. The Aussie fell uh, even against this falling US dollar. It's down 0.6% to 69.3 US cents. The euro is up 0.3%. The pound down 0.1%. And we've got a slightly stronger yen this morning as well. Uh, With equities racing up again for most of the session in the United States, the Nasdaq was up almost 1%. The Dow was up 0.8%. They've all slipped into to negative territory just at close. They're all down around 0.1% for the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq. Uh, so some last-minute nerves there. Whereas in Europe, bigger falls and down for all of the session. A 1.1% drop in the DAX, 0.9% down for the FTSE 100, 0.8% off for the Euro stocks 50. And down across much of Asia yesterday as well, the Hang Seng was down 2.6%. And we've seen big falls in bond yields as well. 12 basis points off 10-year treasuries in the United States, the same for two years. Much Bigger falls uh, in yields across Europe, though. Ten years are down 14 in Germany, 15 in the UK, 16 basis points in France. Aussie 10-year yields at 3.98%. And big falls in commodities, big falls. A 3.9% fall in WTI, 3.4% down for Brent, which is now at 110.70 a barrel. And Gavin Friend is with me this morning from NAB in London. So it's a fairly quiet session overnight. It was somewhat dominated by what Jerome Powell had to say in the Senate hearing on Capitol Hill. And it's interesting because the shares were up for most of the session overnight, but a much more cautious uh, outlook from just about everybody else other than equity investors. Uh, so, And I, th- I guess that is because he said quite a lot. And when he says a lot, you can really d- interpret what you want out of it. You know, there was something for everybody in there today. You can. Uh, and different people are reading different things. I mean, broadly speaking, we've still got the environment of lower yields, lower commodity prices, Um, And some big falls, actually, in oil and and, and copper and some of those other things, all really endemic of the idea that um, markets are worried about the trajectory of the global economy or the U.S. economy and the idea that we might be moving towards some kind of recession. Um, You know, we we only heard from from Jerome Powell last week after the Fed raised rates 75 basis points, pledging its strong commitment to bring inflation back down in an expeditious way, that was the watchword. And back then, as on Wednesday, Powell made a very sort of public overture to the American people to do so, saying it's essential that inflation is brought back down to help the American families and businesses if the US is to have a sort of a sustained period of a strong of strong labour market conditions that benefits all, and that the Fed has the tools to do this. So so all observers have and continue to have warnings. The Fed's number one task is inflation. And last week and on Wednesday, Powell again tried to show he thinks the US economy is very strong. It's well positioned to handle tighter monetary policy. So a strong labour market, strong demand. 
But that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. The point is to try down. and get demand down, yeah. down to and meet artificially or suppressed yeah. supply. You don't want it too strong. And in fact, he did get a bit of a grilling from Elizabeth Warren, uh, one of the senators, who said, you know, uh, but, you know will yes, she asked the question whether putting up rates is going to reduce fuel prices or oil prices. And he said, no, it's not going to do that. And she was there saying, well, you've got to be careful. You don't drive the economy off the cliff. But, I mean, it is. It's all about getting those uh, uh, th- that demand down. And uh, so he can talk about the economy being strong. But everyone's saying, well, actually, it's not what we want right now, isn't it? Uh, so I guess that's and, and that's the confusion. So the equity markets will have listened to that, I'm guessing. And, you know, the strength of him saying how, you know, the economy that he was talking about. Equity markets would say that's great, but everyone else is going ahead, but that's not what we want. Well, I mean, he was candid and he talked about, you know, it will be very challenging to achieve a soft landing. And, you know, while he was, you know, honest, honest, I guess, he's saying, look, recession likelihood is not is not is not elevated. That's not our that's not our policy choice. Um, But clearly, when you think back to what the Fed gave us last week in terms of its new economic forecasts, you know, they've got growth pegged at between 1.3 and 1.8, 1.9%, which is which is sub-trend for the next three years. That's down from two forecast meetings ago back in December. The Fed thought the US economy will grow between 36 and 4.5%. It's a marked difference. Central banks never forecast recessions, but that's pretty much as close as you're going to get to an acknowledgement that there are challenging times ahead. Now, to your point, your central question is, is that why did... Later on during the day, U.S. equity markets end up a little better. And I, and I see some people read Powell today as less hawkish than feared because there was, if you like, no sort of unconditional commitment to bring inflation down at the cost of higher unemployment. I'm not sure that you could read that into it. I mean, if the Fed's number one task is to get on top of inflation, they'll do whatever is necessary. And again, to those... To those forecasts last week, the Fed has now got unemployment basing around three and a half, three six, moving up into the low four uh, percent uh, over the next two to three years. So it's almost it's, it, it is saying to us that that's the best you're going to see for the labour market in through these challenging times. Now, perhaps if you took a sort of step back and listened to some of these answers from the Fed chair, you know he he is acknowledging that we've already tightened financial conditions considerably. You remember last week he talked about the idea that 75 basis points, whilst that could happen again, it's not common, it's not the norm, right? So the Fed will be cognizant of all these moving parts, and as we tiptoe through this, maybe it's optimism from some observers, but you can think, you know, they don't really want to try and crash the car and that they will be cognizant of some of these yeah. you know well, some of the changes is, uh, i mean obviously there's there's more risk than uh, is perceived amongst us equity investors that's dragging the aussie and the kiwi down i guess that is because the commodities are down quite so much isn't it because it's, it's hitting the commodity because even though the us dollar is falling and the s&p 500 is rising uh, it's been a bad day for the aussie dollar well in the broader context the market is still you know clearly fretting about challenges to the US and other economies and the, you know, the, the likelihood or not of a recession. And that's that's magnified in the in the broader context of lower, higher beta, beta currencies. So the Aussie and the Kiwi would fall into that bracket, lower oil prices, lower commodity prices, generally metal prices, copper, um, and lower yields, benchmark yields. Um, so the, the fact that the, um, you know, if we put to one side the, the, the fact that the, uh, the, the US stocks actually, you know, sort of 
reacted more positively as the day went on. Till just before close. So, so the fact that the uh, the dollar is still falling uh, is interesting because it's 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 telling or it's reflective of, of FX investors thinking that an impending U.S. recession, if that's what we're going to see, is bad. It's bad for U.S. assets. Um, and so even though you might say, yes, we're in risk off, the dollar is falling. And, 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 it, and it would it, that really hinges on whether people think some other currencies like the euro and sterling, some of the other currencies that have risen on Wednesday, their economic prospects might be less bleak. I'm not going to say better, but less bleak. <laughs> less, right. less bleak. Okay. Uh, and because 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 they are tightening. Or bang the slower to They're going to be tightening at a, at, a, at a slower pace. And I think that's pretty evident really, and what we're seeing from the Bank of England. Whether that is good or bad, yeah. And look, I mean, certainly even if Jerome Powell wasn't really spelling it out enormously, I mean, all the other Fed speakers, so we had uh, Barkin, uh, Charles Evans, Patrick Harker overnight, Barkin from the Richmond Fed, just repeating uh, that July needs to be 50 or 75 basis points. Evans from the Chicago Fed, you know, also talking about another big hike is reasonable for July. He said, and then we had Harker from the Philly Fed saying interest rates should be above 3% by the end of the year. So, I mean, uh, nothing but... Um, uh, hawkishness all the way from all the other Fed speakers. But look, let's look at uh, what else happened overnight. We, so we've got the UK inflation numbers. Uh, 9.1% is the annual rate, 5.9% for core. Uh, but I'm not quite sure how useful. I mean, there, there are no surprises in these numbers, was there? I'm not quite sure how useful core is right now, given that uh, if you look at the core number, you're taking out some of the significant drivers of inflation. Well, you are. Um, but I think in a market that's on tenterhooks in terms of, you know, what, what has been a, a process of ever higher uh, readings on the headline and the core, um, you know, any port in a storm, the idea that, you know, things are perhaps getting uh, bad less quickly. Um, you know, it, it, a bit, the problem we've got in the UK is, is that inflation is not going to peak until October because of the vagaries of the um, utility pricing, energy, yes, the utility, the pricing of the energy market. So we're not going to peak, and then, and then we're going to peak about eleven percent, and then we're going to come off as the base effects come in, and you know that that starts to unwind. Um, but it, but it, but it, it comes at a point in time where, remember, the Bank of England meeting last week, the forward guidance was junked, uh, and the committee took on a sort of a more hawkish turn. It's not clear whether that's broadly shared. We've heard from. Um, some of the hawks, um, you know, people like Catherine Mann, who want to go harder and faster. We haven't really heard from the doves. And in that, I would include Governor Andrew Bailey. We'll hear from him yeah. next we did Monday hear from to get a more balanced view. We but- did hear from Hugh Pill. So Catherine Mann, of course, was saying we need to go harder and stronger so that we... Uh, uh, we can. We've got to keep pace with the other banks, otherwise you, we're going to see a weakness, weaknessing in the pound, and that's going to make inflation worse. Was basically her argument, wasn't it? Which I think Hugh Pill dismissed today. He was on CNBC, but there sounded pretty hawkish. We need to fight inflation because, at the end of the day, inflation is the biggest poison for the economy that needs to be fought, uh, and they're going to do whatever is necessary. Yes. Basically. So, so, so two things from this very important speaker, the chief economist. Really, he did push back on Catherine Mann's, you know, concerns about the exchange rate. I mean, the exchange rate hasn't fallen that much. Really, it's only down about sort of four percent or so from, um, you know, a, 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 a higher level really over the since since Brexit. It's been in the top half in the last sort of year or so, and you wouldn't you wouldn't say that the, the pound is unnecessarily weak on, on on that point. And he pushed back against the whole idea of what Catherine Mann was arguing about in terms of yeah, we could have done that maybe a year ago. It's probably too late to do that and expect any results on that. The other thing though about Hugh Pill is he talks about. 
um, in his Bloomberg interview, uh, the conditionality that's attached to this kind of switch in their forward guidance, the idea that they might want to go uh, harder or faster to get across second round effects. There is a conditionality attached to that. It's not the given. So they're still watching um, wage rises. They're watching firms pricing behavior, how they how firms are trying to regain margins. They're watching all these things to see if they're becoming embedded in the British economy. And it, it, it's although we're close to it, it's, it's not clear at all whether everybody's across the line on this. You know, the next the next the next couple of months and particularly how the public sector strikes that we're seeing in the UK go down and are settled will be quite important in whether the bank goes forward across the line there or actually pulls back and says, no, we can continue with this slower pace. Hence your point that maybe the US dollar is a little bit weaker because uh, other central banks might be a little less gung-ho. But I wonder whether uh, Canada is going to become more gung-ho because that inflation number out of Canada overnight, uh, it increased more than expected. Uh, 7.7% is the annual rate to May, up from 6.8%. That is from April's annual rate. That is quite a leap. Uh, it's a way to go before the next uh, Bank of Canada meeting, but you know, seventy-five basis points at least. I mean, maybe you know, maybe they go even higher. Uh, looking at this, if they if they they are fearful that this could be getting out of control. Yeah, I mean, that was clearly an upside surprise in that print. Um, One point four percent after point six previously, well north of the consensus forecast of one percent. I mean, that, I think the highest forecast from in the Bloomberg survey was one point two percent. So no one even got anywhere close to it. And two of three core measures were above consensus, uh, 39 um, after 3.5%. So, uh, again, you know, whereas the UK saw a softening in the core measures, all the numbers out of Canada Wednesday were moving in the other direction and suggest that... Um, yeah, the Bank of Canada's got more to do. Yeah. Europe. And Europe, uh, you know, the European share market wasn't looking too crash hot, was it? And uh, consumer confidence in Europe falling. Minus 23.6 was the read overnight, down from minus 21.1. It has been lower than minus 23.6, but only just. And that was right at the start of the pandemic when everything was closing up. We didn't have a vaccine. We didn't know where we were. So if you put it in that context, this is pretty bad. We're getting down now um, towards the levels in 2012 when we had the European debt crisis, or the euro crisis, I should say. Um, so clearly, confidence is at a low ebb, and it's understandable why. Monetary policy is starting to tight, but obviously Europe is gripped with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and all of that in terms of the uncertainty we've seen. Remember, over the last few days, Russia has been playing games with um, with uh, gas prices or gas supply through Nord Stream 1. Um, even though we're in the Northern Hemisphere summer and, and Europe has been very busy rebuilding its um, storage of gas ready for the winter in a few months' time, 85-90% full now, that will only help you know, 25-30% or 30% of uh, Europe's you know, total demand. So having full storage... Um, is not a is not an is not a you know a, a, a happy ending in itself. They'll need they'll need more than that. And we we know we're near winter, and Russia's already playing games. What happens, as we keep saying, if Europe follows through with its uh, oil, almost hundred percent oil embargo? Um, what happens to you know what's 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 the Kremlin's um, 
you know, response to that in terms of that gas, which it knows the rest of Europe is is, is very dependent no. on. Well, that explains this massive minus figure. Mind you, I have to say, uh, Europeans are obviously pretty pessimistic because that index, I don't think, has been over zero uh, at all this century. It's just a massive whinge index for, for, for Europeans. I don't think they're ever optimistic. So uh, lots of PMI reads today. It's that time of the month, isn't it? We've got Japan, Europe, Germany, the UK, the US all expected to be weaker for for manufacturing and services for obvious reasons but all still over 50 so i mean we're not looking at contractions yet so these are the flash numbers for june they'll get updated Mm. with the full month's numbers in a week a week a week and a half's time um you're you're right but they have pulled back um and you know we're going to be looking for the sort of the detail really of any kind of any kind of subtle shifts in supply disruptions um you know the, the the whether whether with all the bad news that's going on there and the higher prices and those kinds of things whether there's any easing up of stuff going on because we have been getting some anecdotal evidence that things are shifting in a more positive tone there on the supply side so we need to see that this is this will be one of those lines of sight that the market will be looking for but i, I wouldn't think that in the headline numbers themselves for both goods and services we should be expecting anything good. It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the detail underneath the surface that we need to, of what's coming down the pipe is really where we, are we moving in the right direction or are we still going backwards? Yeah, and we get jobless claims in the United States as well. I'm not quite sure whether we want to see them go up or go down. I guess if we want, uh, want to see the monetary policy is working, maybe we want to see those jobless claims go up. And then we've got Jerome Powell facing another grilling in front of the House Committee this time. Perhaps you'll get a better quality of question in front of the House. We'll see. Uh, good to talk anyway, Gavin. We'll catch you next time. Cheers, man. These are interesting times, aren't they? That's it for the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again next time tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a good day.